1: Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steve inserta Chiefs continue to organize team activities this week, and we'll start today's show off with the Out of Structure podcast as they discuss some camp position battles as we inch ever closer to Chiefs training camp. After that, we followed it up with the Arrowhead Pride Editor show, I joined the show this week to discuss some overhyped Chiefs as well as some underhyped Chiefs. After that, we'll take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll finish things up with Show and BK discussing the Tyreek Hill podcast clip as well as Orlando Brown Jr. reportedly wanting to be the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week.
2: We're not necessarily going to predict the roster, uh, but, but let's throw out some candidates to watch and who to watch for as they move along through this process of OTAs, then to mandatory minicamp, and then uh, and then into training camp, so all of that will be coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, so we have, I think, what we think are the top five roster position battles to at least be aware of, and we want you to know the names and the faces that are competing for those spots. Uh, you'll, I think, you'll be able to tell who our favorites are just by the way we talk about them. Uh, But we're going to do our best to just lay out the case for each of the candidates. And then uh, we'll see how it plays out.
3: Yeah, no, I think we should get going into it right now. And I think the receiver position, the wide receiver position is is kind of the obvious first start. And we just already mentioned, you know, one of those names, Justin Ross. It's kind of, seems to be everyone's uh, favorite, uh, you know, name to follow at least among these, but before we get into the receiver group, or which ones are fighting for those last spots, let's kind of determine maybe how many spots are even available, right? Because I think we all know there are four receivers on this team that should make the team. I mean, no doubt about it. You know, it's the MBS, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, and then the rookie Sky Moore. That's four spots. But we've seen the Chiefs keep five or six receivers, right? Stags, if, if, if I were to ask you right now how many think you keep, they keep, uh, you know, without even thinking about the names necessarily, just, you know, uh, how many numbers. I I have five right now, honestly, but I could be convinced that six. Do you think they go five or six?
2: Yeah, it seems like five is the conventional wisdom. I've got them down for six just because I think they've got a lot of young players that they might want to keep. And and so, sure, some of those could be practice squad players. Some of those could be, you know, uh, candidates to, to, to move on. But I really think there's some development uh, that needs to happen there. And this new concept of the Chiefs having this diverse wide receiver core, so it's not focused around Tyree Hill anymore. Now you've got players all over the place. You can see contributions from, from everybody who makes the active roster at, at receivers. So they might want to keep more bodies there just for competition and development and, and just to, to grow that room as a whole.
3: Yeah, I think that's the selling point on on why you'd keep six, right? Because now it is a more receiver by committee rather than you have Tyree Hill and then a bunch of other guys for the committee. The second receiver is by committee. The whole position is by committee this year. Yeah, and so, and so yeah, so let's get into some names. So I mentioned Justin Ross, Clemson receiver. Obviously, we all we probably all all know his storyline by now. You know, the freshman standout at Clemson. You know, looked like one of the best receivers in this twenty twenty three or twenty twenty two draft class at the time. Obviously some injuries, some spinal stuff. He also broke his foot this last year that he was still recovering from a little bit. Um, you know, shout out Aaron Ladd, he's a contributor to Arrowhead Pride. He actually had a video of what seemed to be, you know, Ross maybe, you know, kind of tweaking it a little bit too, you know, during the OTA or during rookie minicamp. Um just just kind of a warning. And I think and I'm glad Aaron Ladd posted this because it's kind of a, almost just like a hey, like, let's not get the expectations too high for this guy. You know, he's still battling through a lot of stuff. He's a very talented player, we all know. But that doesn't mean you're going to be able to go 100 percent in an NFL football game, you know, in this fall after experience at these last few years. And so Ross is kind of that hot name. But there's some other guys, too. And, and so let me just name them off real quick and then we'll get into all of them. So like Josh Gordon, we all know about, you know, he obviously came over here last year um, and, and played, you know, played a good amount of snaps, actually, for the Chiefs offense. Cornell Powell, the sixth round pick from last year from Clemson, obviously was on the practice squad all of last year, didn't even make the week one roster. He was actually cut, which is, is pretty rare for a draft pick to get cut. Derice Fountain is obviously here. He spent some time with the Colts, um, I think two or three years with the Colts before coming on to here and trying to make the roster here. And then there's a guy like Justin Watson, too, who who Mahomes has made a comment about. And then Corey Coleman is another one that we need to name. So there's a lot of names, right, Stags? You, you hear those names. What do you kind of what's your first impression on, on these names and kind of who you what are your takes on on the receivers uh, in that group?
2: I think it all is going to come down to the, the specific roles and how they're going to use those last two wide receiver spots. So if you think about last year and the last couple of years, they've really gotten a lot of special team snaps out of those those depth wide receivers, uh, really all the way up through and including Demarcus Robinson and uh, Byron Pringle. Those guys played a lot of special team snaps over the last couple of years. So there's a lot of those that are up for grabs, and you sure can't see very many gunner snaps coming from those top four players that we listed. So if you look through those names that you just talked about, uh, Darius Fountain, I think, played a little bit of special teams. It's not something he's really known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started working his way into to Dave's uh, favor uh, last season, I think. If he were to make the roster, he gives you somebody who can – make a contested catch that can be a good possession wide receiver and potentially play some special teams. He's been quiet so far in the offseason program. You haven't heard a thing about him yet. Um, yeah. But I still think he's a name to watch uh, when they get to St. Joe because they liked him last year. He's shown that he can do some things both on offense and on special teams.
3: So that's the thing, though. I mean, he beat out Powell last year. And so what? Like, is, is, what is the – I mean, Powell would have to beat him out this year. But I mean, it's just Fountain was already the guy that kind of made the team last year over, over some of these names we've already talked about. I mean, Josh Gordon was more of a receiver, obviously, on the team. But I mean, Fountain has already kind of, they've already kind of shown that they really like Fountain. And so it almost makes me want to put him as the favorite. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but just the fact that he's already kind of been. They've already chosen him, right? They've already had their their pick on some of these guys and have chosen Fountain over him. I know Powell obviously could get better, but does that make him the favorite in your eyes? Or or is that maybe not as important now that there's more names in the mix this year rather than last
2: year? So yeah, I think with all the names that we just listed, it's tough to name a favorite yet. They're so early in the process. But you can make a strong case for him just because, again, he's one of the few that you can see in both of those phases. You talk about Cornell Powell, he is someone coming someone coming in that we thought would be a great special teams player that could work his way into a wide receiver role. Uh, certainly hadn't didn't happen for him last year. He's got he's a big physical receiver, and he's somebody that that has the the profile or the pedigree that we thought you know he he could really be a factor. Uh, Corey Coleman is another one that is really lost in the shuffle so far. Speedy wide receiver, former early round draft pick, a guy who who has um, I believe had some or shown some ability to, to return kicks yes. at some point in his career. So he's a, another dark horse. And I think that kick returner job is going to be up for grabs this year, right? So Byron Pringle was, was one of the main guys last year. Uh, they've got a lot of candidates that can re- return punts and kicks. And so not only the special teams gunners that you're looking for, but you're looking for returners as well.
3: Yeah, no, that's a really good point to make because, yeah, we've kind of, we've kind of gotten used to, they've kind of just had the returners on the team the last few years in terms of Pringle or even McColl Hardman, but they don't this year. They don't have, because I don't think Hardman has been used as a kick returner since his rookie year. Um, I think they want to find that in another position and we may even get into other positions that have it. But yeah, Corey Coleman, I'll, I'm looking right now. He has uh, 23 career kickoff returns and no touchdowns or anything, but. You know, that's experience. He's a former Baylor uh, first-round pick. He was drafted by the Browns in the 2016 draft, 15th overall. But he has not played football since 2018, which is kind of the weird part about him, right, is, is that he is a talented player. He's shown talent in his career. He actually, you know, his rookie year, he had 413 yards and three touchdowns. Um, but, you know, he just hasn't shown it since. He hasn't even been on the field since. So, But one guy I want to make sure we talk about a, a good amount or just, you know, bring up um, specifically is Justin Watson. Who honestly, I this is so funny. This entire offseason, I thought he was somebody else. I, 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 when I thought of Buccaneers receivers, I was thinking oh, I had this guy in my head that I thought it was. And honestly, just until recently, I started looking into Watson because of these Mahomes comments that I'll get into a second. I was like, oh, this isn't even the guy I thought it was. So that's just how unknown he was. Uh, he didn't play a single offensive snap for the Buccaneers last year, he was a, a strictly a special teamer. But he was drafted by them in 2018. He was a fifth-round pick, and he, he played all four years through his rookie deal with them. Obviously, he was a free agent this offseason, so the Chiefs grabbed him. But just this is what Mahomes said about him just the other day in his press conference. It was last Thursday. Exact quote. Watson's been a pleasant surprise for me. That dude can roll. I remember he came down to Texas, and I threw with him the first day. And I called Veach, and I was like, wait, how fast is this guy? Because he was running so fast, I was late on my throws. He's a, he's 26 years old, he's six foot three, 225 pounds. But he did record a 4'4, 40 yard dash and a 40-inch vertical at his pro day in the college draft process. He's a guy that might be right now, and, and I mentioned he didn't play any offense last year, but as we're talking about stag, special teams might be the most important thing at these spots. He he could be the one that that's that's maybe the favorite all of a sudden because of what Mahomes is saying. I mean, that quote is that quote says something, in my opinion. And I should say, real quick before I throw it back to you. He also did make a big play that that was noticed and asked about. Um, he made a play in the corner of the end zone that was apparently the play of the day, according to Pete. Pete tweeted out saying it was the play of the day. So he's made he's turned some heads at uh, OTA so far, Justin Watson.
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 such a deep group now, and, and it's going to be hard for some of these guys to separate from the pack. So the more you hear from Mahomes, the more you hear from Andy Reid, the more you yep, see yeah. uh, those highlight real plays coming out, um, you'll start to get some hints here. It's it's no guarantee, but the quieter things are around a guy like Coleman or fountain, uh, or Powell, uh, you know, the, the, you can really start to read into that a little bit. Uh, now I, I, did hear some, uh, some good news out of Powell, uh, so far there. I saw some, uh, and, and I, I, wish I could attribute this quote, but there were some in the media saying that he looked more comfortable. He looked like he had the playbook understanding down and wasn't having to slow down and think so much. Uh, so, that uh you know maybe bodes well for his development he was a late bloomer in college somebody that didn't really come on until later in his career uh so he may just be a guy that takes a little time uh to find his stride so don't rule him out yet um there's also you know the perennial sleeper pick for this uh for this team uh you know i write this segment called market movers for arrowheadpride.com and uh every week uh you know i'm i'm looking at who's You know who's trending in the right direction, who's trending in the wrong direction, and then, you know, who who might be a sleeper. And for weeks, I had Josh Gordon as my sleeper. Like sooner or later, this guy's going to break out. It never happened last season. (laughs) He he ended up being a game day inactive down the stretch and into the playoffs, uh, which tells me that the team was just done with him. And then they go ahead and re-sign him to a futures deal, and now he's back in the mix for one more season. We'll see what happens with Josh Gordon. Obviously he had the physical tools at one point, but another guy who hasn't played football in not a long time. So that's three receivers by my count on this list that have not played substantial amounts of NFL football over the last few years, or even college football for, for Justin Ross. Yeah. Um, so you've got some guys really trying to make a comeback uh, and, and really trying to be, I mean, that it's really the definition of a long shot in my opinion, somebody who had talent, who showed it at one point in time, but it's been a long time since they did anything of note, any production, uh, you know, that, that you can hang your hat on.
3: Well, yeah. And that's the thing with Gordon is that his skill set is kind of replicated by whether it's fountain Powell or Ross. I mean, they're all kind of three similar style players where they're bigger, go up and get it kind of guys, but also can give you some straight ahead speed. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Gordon's 31 years old at some point, you know, it, it's, it, you're not you're not seeing the 22 year old that had 1600 yards in 2013. I mean, I know it's it's so we all want to we all want to see that guy again, but it is weird that the Chiefs brought him back. I will say so. It is it is interesting, but I think we should maybe move on to another position.
2: Yeah, I mean that's that's five guys, you know, vying for for one or two spots. And you're right. I think there's a lot of overlap in in the skill set that some of those right. guys bring. So you're not gonna, you know, if they kept six receivers, it's not gonna be. Gordon and Ross, right? Like yeah. they're, they're very, you know, they, they have some of the similar uh, attributes. So, uh, you know, look for those special team standouts, look for those guys who are making plays and making a name for themselves uh, as we go along. So let's stay on the offensive side of the ball and talk about running back a little bit. You know, the, the top two at running back are set. Now there's certainly a debate amongst a lot of people about the value of each of those two running backs. You've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, recent first round pick. Uh, a guy who I've been much higher on the, than you and a lot of others. But I think I think if you watch the film, when Edward DeLair has been on the field, he's been very, very good. It's just the when he's been on the field uh, asterisk that's the problem with him. And so they bring in Ronald Jones, another young running back, uh, remarkably young. I feel like he's been in the league a long time, but he's what, 24, 25 years old. Uh, this is a player who's an explosive downhill runner uh, who's got his limitations in the passing game but he may be the early down back. So you've got two legitimate, you know, thousand yard rushing type players, whether they've done it yet uh, or they have that ability if they're featured and proven. So I believe, so those two guys are locked in. The rest of the running back room, you know, you talk about how many running backs they're going to keep. I think a lot of times recently they've kept four plus a fullback. Um, So you've got CEH and Jones leading off that group. And then you've got a few guys competing for one or two spots, depending on how you, how many they keep. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Pacheco, who is who is a seventh-round pick, but also the fastest running back in the draft. Uh, he's got that straight-line speed. But also, what you've got to love about him, this guy loves to pass protect. He loves to block. He's aggressive at it. He's got some great ability there. Those two things alone could put – uh, Pacheeks or whatever the, his nickname is uh, <laughs> right up here, uh, it, you know, close to a lock to make this roster and maybe even somebody that can contribute. Yeah. I think four is the number here. I think what they are going to keep
3: four, I would guess. And so, you know, I, I think Pacheco, you know, when I first kind of looked into him first kind of thought about him, you know, I, I see him as a, as a, you know, a more of a kick returner than an actual running back, but you make a good point about the pass protection because you know, none, none of the other three guys that or now, you know, the other two guys you already mentioned that you named off. I mean, Clyde, we haven't seen anything from him on the passing downs because they don't trust him on passing downs for whatever reason, which it's got to be this year. I mean, if it hasn't been, it's got to be this year. And so we haven't seen a lot of how well Clyde does as a pass protector. And, and, and the stuff we have seen, it's not, you know, it's not been super impressive. Ronald Jones is a bigger dude. He is not going to be in on pass downs and shouldn't be because even not even though he's he doesn't he can't catch the ball. But he also cannot pass protect, um, and, and, I, and I've, I've seen that, and I've heard that from Tampa Bay Buccaneers guys that I trust. So he's going to be a strictly early-down guy. So there has got to be somebody they trust to pass protect. And if Pacheco's really good at it, they're going to find a way to get him on the field because they need to protect Patrick Mahomes.
4: We're seeing the buzz. Who do you think is too overhyped? Who do you think is too underhyped? We will have a three-man round table here. And John, why don't we start with you, and we'll go. Let's get the negative out of the way. Who is too overhyped right now on the Kansas City Chiefs, and why?
5: Oh, good, because you told us that we could only that we had to have extras in case somebody took ours that we couldn't right. duplicate. So right. I'm the one who gets to say that Justin Ross is overhyped. So, <laughs> so, I, so, we got that out of the way. There's no doubt about. It. I've made that clear, and i I've been trying to say before I say it that I hope I'm wrong, everybody. But right, I, right, I I, I I agree with it. Yeah, that, it's just it's just insane. Um, this is an undrafted player. There's a, reasons for him to be undrafted. Um, he has clearly an enormous amount of talent. There's no argument about this. OK, but whether or not he can play at an NFL level and be available at an NFL level is an entirely open question. So let's be excited about his talent. Let's be excited about the the plays that he can make and the OTAs. But whether or not that's going to translate to the field uh, week in and week out is another question altogether. And I think that's the one that we're going to be we're going to be concerning ourselves with once training camp gets started and we and we get closer to the season because that's what it's going to be about is whether or not he can play week in and week out, and that's going to determine whether or not he can be on a roster. There's no question he's got the talent for it. We, we can all see that. So I think, yeah, he's a little overhyped at this point. All right, Steve, take it away. I've been kind
1: of trying to decide. Justin Ross, I think, is obviously the, the top <laughs> one right now, uh, just because of everything that John explained. So, yeah, that I think that should have been the top choice. But I, I think I'm going to go with George Karloftis because mm. I, I'm just seeing a lot of people who and a lot of people within the Chiefs fan base that probably just have expectations a little too high for him. Like when you look at truly dominant rookie pass rushers, like we're talking about the elite of the elite players, like Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, or if you want to put Chase Young in that conversation for like as a rookie, like we're talking about the best pass rushers in the NFL. Their ceilings like seven to nine sacks. And George Karloftis is coming into a situation where he's going to have to play right away and, and be and be an important player for them because they don't really have anybody else to throw in the mix there. And so it's him and Frank Clark. And I just don't know if that's going to be enough to get it done. Like George Karloftis is ceiling as a rookie, in my opinion, is like five sacks. And, yeah. and I feel like we're overhyping what we're expecting from him as a rookie.
4: Well, what's interesting in, in that is you asked yourself the question if you could guarantee five sacks for Karloftis right now, would you do it? Would you lock that in? And I don't know, maybe you would because the chiefs have been a little lackluster when it comes to getting to the quarterback in, in recent years as a unit. And that would be a pretty good number for what this unit has been. I, I think the chiefs need him to be more than that. And that's where it'd be tough to, to not sign off on that. And I just think about Melvin Ingram and that not working out. I You'd feel a little bit better about the Karloftis situation. If you, I think had another name there. Maybe Malik Herring becomes that guy for you, but it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting pick, Steve, because I I really think they need him to be a day one starter as a rookie, and that's a pretty big bet. Like if you're talking about the 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 big bets that Brett Veach has made on this upcoming season, that could be the biggest bet because I I just think opposite Frank Clark, and Frank Clark has been for lack of better term hit or miss (laughs) you're really relying on carloftis to have what is more veteran production than rookie production i'll say this what impressed me about carloftis if you go to the to right after he was drafted he immediately knew the personnel of the chiefs he's like they got a good pass rusher on the other side they got a good defensive tackle no more double teams and he was so happy about that so he Mm -hmm. seems to think that and Kudos to his own confidence, but he seems to think that he's going to be able to produce at the NFL level right away. Remains to be seen. An interesting pick. I I, I like the pick. I like the the boldness there. All right, John, you're not going to like my pick. Uh, of course, it w- would have been Justin Ross, uh, as you know. Um, I, I've not been huge on the looks that I've seen so far, but long way to go. As I as I said, I would do. I hope I'm wrong, but here, here we go. Let's 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 stop the car. <laughs> that's the that's the brakes. The brakes are hitting. What, why are we hitting the brakes? We're hitting the brakes on Darian Kennard. I I might have maybe been a little too. Uh, what, what do we call it? Is a bullish or bearish? It's bullish, right? Too bullish on Kennard, maybe starting immediately. I think that we got to look at what Andrew Wiley has done. And Andrew Wiley is not necessarily a hot name, but he has started 42 games in the NFL since 2018, and this was a player who was the right tackle for the Chiefs uh, a good majority of last year and really shored up the position. Hard to say he was above average, but he was solid average, maybe slightly above average, an option there, and I'm just wondering out loud if maybe the Chiefs will give Wiley uh, the first crack here, and if he's able to stay there uh, maybe it's it's more of a 2023 thing for Kennard, who again is a he dropped to the fifth round and and may need a year of development. And I I take some of the blame myself for Kennard maybe being overhyped, but I also blame Lewis Riddick for that whole thing last week and and putting it out there. But we'll see. This this remains to be seen. But if we're looking at overhyped, I think right now, if you're a diehard Chiefs fan, it it has become again, my fault as well, but an expectation that he's going to win the right tackle job when maybe we need to see what he does at at St. Joe, especially in those padded practices.
5: Well, you know, we talked about this last week and the whole point I thought last week of the Lewis Riddick contact uh, uh, comments was that they were at least looking at him to be the starter. They didn't bring him in as just a guy to be, you know, a backup player or a role player or anything like that. This is a guy that actually had a a chance to win the job. That's not the same as saying he's going gonna win the job, and i and I think we appropriately noted that Wiley is a guy that the chief's coaches have really liked uh, over the years that he's been in Kansas City. so it's it's not an open and shut case, but I agree that there are folks who have just assumed that he's going to win that job, and uh, so it's fair to put him on that overhyped train, although it wouldn't have been a choice I would make, huh. but but I I see where you're coming from there.
1: I I will say what works in the chief's favor when it comes to Darian Kennard is that they've had a lot of success drafting offensive linemen outside of the first round. And those guys wind up being contributing players immediately.
5: Right.
4: Right. And and immediately Kennard has said the Trey Smith stuff. And even me, I'll admit I was quick to say, well, we are definitely going to see him do the Trey Smith track. You know, it's really hard to be Trey Smith to be drafted in the sixth round (laughs) and to be a starting offensive lineman. I, I don't think this means that Kennard can never be an impact contributor for the Chiefs. I just think maybe we need to pump the brakes on just assuming he's going to win the starting position. And a fault of my own, but I'd pick Kennard in that overhyped section, at least right now. So we ended up picking three rookies. Look at us picking on the overhyped rookies. Justin Ross, uh, we picked George Karloftis, and now Darian Kennard. All right, Steve, we'll, we'll snake around here. Who do you feel is the most underhyped Chief of June 1st right now?
1: I think there's a lot of them, actually, uh, especially on, on offense, because we don't really know what we're getting from the Chiefs offense this season. There's kind of question marks there. But I'm going to go with McColl Hardman, and this is probably going to be unpopular hmm. just because Chiefs fans, I think, are at a point where they just don't expect that much from him. But me and you've talked about it a little bit, Pete. Like we saw the way they utilized McColl like late in the season last year. And now the, we saw him losing snaps
4: the like, Debo the role, yeah,
1: yeah. And they started utilizing him like that. And a lot of the conversations I've been having with people, like trying to project Chiefs players fantasy wise and stuff like that, it's like juju mbs it's like everybody totally forgot that McCole hardman is still on the team and <laughs> he's got the most experience in the chiefs playbook when it comes to their wide receivers and we've seen that andy Reid can find a useful role for him in the offense it's just a matter of him of them scheming up touches for him. And there's an opportunity for them to legitimately scheme up touches for him this season in a way that they never have before. So while I don't love McCall Hardman as like your number one wide receiver or anything like that, I think he's going to have a much bigger role in the offense than any of us are are giving him credit for so far this offseason.
4: And Hardman has noticed that he's been forgotten as the Chiefs were adding free agents and PFF was putting out graphics of the offense and not even including him. He's quote (laughs) tweeting it and saying, oh, this is happening to me again. He put a, a lot of stock in, in press conferences and saying, I'm behind Tyreek Hill. Well, I, I, you're not anymore. Uh, and does that mean he's going to be more traditional receiver? I don't know. I, I think that it means the Chiefs lean into him more. Maybe it's in that same position as of last year, which Andy Reid has co- countless times said, we found we found something for McColl. And I would tend to think it's going to be more of the wide back than wide receiver. Uh, but we'll see. This is a brand new type of offense and and i think it's a good pick I, I think he's still even though he's really the veteran when it comes to chief's tenure in that room at this point he's still under hyped i, w- I would agree with you
5: and he is still going to be the guy that has the most experience with patrick mahomes mm-hmm. among that wide receiver group so uh he's got that going for him as well as limited as ex- his experience was because a lot of people complained, oh well, he's you know, he's not getting enough targets from for Mahomes from whatever reason. They're all going to Hill and Kelsey and whatever. But he's still gonna have more than anybody else in the group at this point. So he's got that going for him as well. I and it it is kind of an interesting pick, Steve, but I, I see where you're coming from here. It's
1: it's also a contract here. And you right, should right. not under hype the contract. Here. Right. He's trying to get paid. He's not gonna be with the Chiefs past this season, but he's looking to get a contract. So I would expect him to step up his play this season.
0: Yeah.
4: All right, John, underhyped.
5: uh man, I'm having a hard time on this one. Um I'm gonna go back to your comments uh, before uh Steve, about uh, George Kalaftis and say maybe Malik Herring is a guy that is mm. underhyped. We do, really don't know what we've got in this guy, so nobody's talking about him. But I think it's fair to wonder if that has played into the chiefs mindset this season with regard to defensive ends. I mean, I think you can argue that they didn't want to overpay older guys, but they might have, if they'd had the money available to them. Uh, and then, so when they didn't have the money because Tyree kills market went out, out crazy after all the other wide receivers got contracts that were huge. Then all of a sudden they didn't have the money to go out and spend uh, and get a, a an older player uh, that was closer to the end of his career than the beginning and pay a lot of money for him. But it's also possible that um, what's going on here is that they think they can get a lot out of this kid um, who we didn't really see at all last year. He came into the came out of the squad injured, so we never saw him and doing anything. And they may think he's spectacular, and we may see him uh, m- a lot more than we expect this year. So that's what I'm going to say is under-hyped at this point, just because we don't know what we're getting. Yeah, they
4: they really thought that Herring could go day one or day two had it not been for the, the injury, had the redshirt year in, in Kansas City and has looked pretty good in these camps here. Like, maybe not a starter necessarily, but this is a defensive line where they like to rotate a lot of guys. So right. So long right. as... Herring shows that he can play the, the party. He's going to get snapped. So I, I think it's a, an interesting pick, and it would certainly solve a little bit of the, the lack of depth, I I think, that I have sensed in the D-line room since they missed out on, on grabbing Melvin Ingram back into the mix. And so that's where where I end up there. Uh, My pick, and I mentioned him already, but I, I'm going to just play this game with you guys. If I said that there's a a receiver that has a good rapport with Patrick Mahomes had the best timing that I saw in my first look. And he's six foot four, two hundred and six pounds with a 4.37 40 yard dash. You'd say, wow, that receiver is going to have a thousand yards. And I think Marquez Valdez Gantling is going to be the guy after Travis Kelsey when it comes to receiving yards. And I think what plays into the, the MVS thing is it just didn't really click with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was obsessed with throwing to Devontae Adams. Uh, and yeah, you might say, well, Patrick Mahomes is obsessed with throwing to Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in that short to intermediate for first downs where Kelsey can sort of get yards after the catch, not really when it comes to a deep ball, the Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs are going to need that. And I, I think by leaning into the short to intermediate when you have Juju, maybe it's that wide back stuff with McColl. Maybe it's running a little football a little bit more. It's it's playing into Kelsey. I've, I don't know if eventually teams by week four, week five are going to be able to drop eight anymore because we'd have to respect the short to intermediate game. And you have this player who's a bigger target than Tyree Kill, who runs almost as fast as them. People really don't give Marquez the amount of credit when it comes to just pure speed, uh, where I think this is his breakout year. I, I really do. And I, I, you know, from watching their timing at, at the look last week, and it's one practice, but it, it, it seemed like there were four weeks of that Texas camp. And I'd imagine from their timing, Marquez was down there for most of them. I don't, I don't know that for sure, but it just looked that way to me. And I, I think it's a prove it thing. Uh, for him, just like it is for Juju and McColl and all these guys. Um, I, I But I, I really think Marquez uh, is frustrated with the identity that he garnered from Green Bay, and a lot of that was just a product of Rodgers to Adams, Rodgers to Adams, Rodgers to Adams. There were in <laughs> a lot of opportunities. When I think when you say goodbye to three receivers and Tyree Kill, who ate 150-plus targets, there are going to be a lot of opportunities out there for Valdez-Scantling. And I, I think right now he is significantly under-hyped, and Steve, you're our, our our fantasy guy too. You love fantasy football, now I think a lot of people out there will maybe take Juju before MVS, uh, or they will take uh, a Hardman before MVS. When to me, I, I think I just think right now where we are in June one, what do we know? But right now, I think that'd be maybe a mistake. I think he's a little bit underhyped.
1: I think what I really need to see from MVS in training camp is the chiefs trying to utilize him in space a little bit because like the thing with him in green Bay was the bill on him was just, he's just a straight line speed guy. Like just send him deep mm-hmm. and, try, and try to get some deep shots to him. Uh, occasionally get a couple of looks at him a game and, and see if we can get some explosive plays. Whereas like, you know, guys like Tyree kill and Michael Hardman. Yes. They're explosive like that, but we've seen, they're also guys where, you get him the ball just within five yards of the line of scrimmage and give them some space and some blocking, and they can take off. MVS was never really used that way in Green Bay. Now, he's obviously really fast. So I, I'm just curious to see him utilized like that because that's another dimension of his game where it's like, yeah, if you think you can get more out of him, he's not just a deep straight line speed guy, then he's going to have to be able to do stuff like that because we know McCall Hardman can do it. We know Juju can do that kind of stuff. So I'm really curious to see how they utilize him in training camp.
6: We
5: know. Well, you know, as as both of you have noted, uh, he was lost behind Devontae Adams in Green Bay. And so not too many people know his name. And all of a sudden he gets this relatively large contract with the Chiefs and, and people are thinking, what is Brett Beach doing? My gosh, I never heard of this guy. We're paying him all this money. We didn't spend money on a defensive end. OK, I get that reaction. But the reason he got a bigger contract is Green Bay wanted him back. This isn't a guy that they let walk in free agency. They were bidding for him. So these guys who've had him in their hands for a few years saw that there was some value in him once Devonte Adams was gone, and I think the Chiefs see the, th- the same thing. So I think this is a great pick. I actually on the back of the envelope here had written down MVS and then crossed it out and put Malik Herring. So so I agree. I agree this could be an easily underhyped player.
4: For you fans of, of baseball as well, <clears throat> this move to me feels very Tampa Bay Rays. You know, the Rays, <laughs> they're a small market team. You have a player that's a little bit older that goes to Tampa and everyone is looking at each other. Why are the Rays trading for this guy? And then all of a sudden he has a 1.3 ERA and is in the mix for the Cy Young. This to me is Brett Beach and the personnel staff identifying something in MBS that we haven't seen yet. And it right. plays into all your points of Steve utilizing him in a certain way. And I just think there's just so much opportunity out there. There's only so many targets that are, that are going to go to Travis Kelsey. There's only so much yardage. If you say that Mahomes is going to have 5,000 yards and you give Ty- Travis Kelsey, let's say, let's be generous and give him 1,400 of those. What? Uh, there's still 3,600 yards to go around. Where are those going? Right? So to me, it, it, it opens up opportunities for other guys. And uh, to me, is the most underhyped. So we had Malik Herring. We had uh, McCole Hardman and then MVS as the under players. That was a good discussion, fellas. Good job.
6: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Tyreek Hill is. Um, uh, what's the best way to put it? Maybe in a space of, like, delusion a bit here. Uh, if you missed it, he's got a teaser where he is. Uh, he is talking about a lot of things with the Chiefs and how it left, and he had his his agent Drew Rosenhaus, of course, on there as well. But I think the part that really jumped out to people was. He made the he made the tease as if he was underutilized or wasn't used the right way by Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy and company, and the Chiefs, and uh, and and that he could have been used better. Now, listen, I you know, BK probably at that point went to his study lab for like three hours to really break down the usage and everything that he was doing, and then sort of probably threatened to do it and then just had a beer and said, I'm not doing that. Uh, it, but but I'll, I'll give it to you guys. To me, when I hear that, that sounds delusional. Um, I felt like a lot of the offense, a lot of it was built around him and trying to, to get him the ball. But maybe I'm off. When I hear that, I think delusional. What, what, what do you all hear when you hear Tyreek potentially – complaining of being underutilized by the
0: chiefs. You made this reference earlier today and I think it's a good one. I want to give you credit for it. It sounds a lot like the Kyrie Irving discussion that I heard surrounding Kyrie now. You got to remember this is a different version than Kai Ky- of Kyrie compared to what we now know to be him. This was when he was leaving the Cavs and the the word around Kyrie was, "Hey, I want my own team." I believe that I am ready to go out there and do this on my own. I can be my own man. Hmm. That sounds kind of like what you're hearing from Tyree Kill right now. And it's not just what you saw in this podcast teaser. And I got to give him credit, man. As is somebody who's in the media, it's a damn good teaser. Like, he got us all interested. We're all talking about what he's doing right now. He's got this new podcast, and it got the attention that he wanted. But it's not just that. He's got the video stuff that he's doing over on YouTube. He is becoming more and more out there publicly, and I do think that is part of the move to Miami. It's easier to do that. I love Kansas City. It's my hometown. I, I, I love that place. It is harder to do what Tyreek Hill is currently doing in KC than it is to do that out of Miami, and that is despite the fact that he's on a better team in Kansas City with a better quarterback and a better coach in Kansas City. And so I find all of this to be fascinating, man. He got the money that he's clearly looking for. He's probably going to get the targets that he's looking for. Although last year he had 160 of them. I did look that up, Ron. You are hundred percent correct. That was oh, seventh know. in the NFL. He had 111 receptions. There were only two players in the league that had more than him last year. I don't care what he thought about his usage last year. It's going to be worse this year because he has a worst quarterback this year. He has a worse coach. And I like McDaniel this year. So, I find it all to be really strange, man. None of it made sense from the moment that this thing went down. And I know in the podcast teaser, he says repeatedly, and as does his uh, agent, which of course they're going to, hey, he wanted to be in KC. He so badly wanted to be back. They just wouldn't give him the money. Okay. They said money. He said it wasn't about money. Well, he said it wasn't about the money. If it wasn't about the money, he wouldn't be in Miami. Like, it's just that simple. And I'm not saying he's wrong for it. Go get your yeah, money. Do what you want to do. Yeah, you want to play, play with or Go do it. That's fine. I got no issues with it. No qualms. Everybody go get your money while you can. But for him to suggest that it's not about that, it's just blasphemy, man. And I I find it really interesting that this is the route that he's going here. I figured we'd get some of this. I didn't know it was going to be this in your face, though. Serta, what'd you make of this?
1: I just don't understand because I mean that that is what they were hinting at, like as if the Chiefs' offense in some way hindered Tyreek Hill's ability to put up numbers and to be a superstar player, like as if he's not a superstar player. Well, we all already know that he is, in fact, that like that kind of wide receiver. Like, what did did he want Cooper Cup targets? Like, is that what yeah, he's talking I, about? I think, I think so. like I he think wanted so. one hundred and ninety targets on the season because he saw what Cooper Cup did last year. Like. That's just not going to happen like you got Travis Kelsey and you got and you got Tyreek Hill, and you got Patrick Mahomes and those were the three cornerstones of your offense last year like I I don't think that the Chiefs offense was holding him back in any way I, I, I don't really know what all of that means and the podcast doesn't come out for another week so we can't really hear the whole conversation but it It does just seem to me like there there was something a little bit more going on here with the relationship between Tyree Kill and the Chiefs than we really ever led on to that wasn't just winning football games and winning rings and playing with Patrick Mahomes and
6: now we're gonna get a peek at that, I guess. Let's just be honest, man, we've seen this before, I know I have, and a lot of different walks in life this is this to me, and i, I I'm not hundred percent right on this, baby, but this is what it looks like to me. It feels like somebody then got to Tyreek Hill, right? Remember that same person who got to Nick Carter in the Backstreet Boys and said, hey, Nick, man, break away from these dudes, man. These dudes is holding you back. That one dude, Brian, with a hole in the heart, man, he can't out you. <laughs> All them other dudes, man, he can't out you. Same guy who got to Bobby Brown in New Edition. Man, Bobby, man, you can out sing Ralph they holding you back. They making you have to wear these all these bright-ass colors, looking like John Cena, even though he hadn't been thought of at that time yet. No, oh, you need to be humping around, Bobby. It's your prerogative. Like those same people who was in Bobby's ear, and it was in Nick Carter's ear, that's the same people. It feels like somebody that got to Tyreek, because he's messed up the plan. We all know what the plan was that everybody has fallen into. Patrick Mahomes did his contract in a certain way to keep everybody together because this is the plan. Travis Kelsey could have got more money. Just ask George Kittle, who's pissed off he didn't because he didn't raise the level of what the tight end market should be. He could have gotten more money, but we was all playing and coming together. Chris Jones, I think, could have got more money, but we was all sitting here playing together. We was going to make this work. Everybody was going to make this work until somebody got to it. Somebody got in his ear, and you can hear it right now. Man, they ain't using you, right? Look at Cooper Cup. Look at all them targets he got. Look at all them touches he got. And they won the Super Bowl. You way better than than Cooper Cup. Let me really speak into the language of who this person is, I'm guessing. You way better than that white boy. You know he ain't got got touches like him. You way better than him. You see how many touches DeAndre Hopkins used to get in Houston? And what he's getting, you need to be getting them touches. You waving. You made Travis Kelsey. I know he was here and was a pro bowler before you got here, but you <coughs> made him. Like they not even, they not even they, they not using you right. You gotta get it. Like, I just feel like he's had, I've seen this. I feel like he's had somebody in his ear. Like that, whoever that delusional person was who told Kyrie that you can do it without this without LeBron. Like that, that person. I know that that's what it looks like. And now he's messed up the plan, and everybody decided this, and then Tyreek has gone left. And now he is in in a delusional space believing he wasn't used right. There ain't going to be nobody to use you better than what Andy Reid and company did here. It ain't going to be. All right? Mike is going to try, but he is limited because he's got handcuffs in his quarterback. Like, he's going to try, but you're not – like, are you kidding me? Like he had the perfect setup and the perfect situation. Get it's out, like of Chad here. Chad
0: Pennington bro. 2.0 now. Like g- good luck. Um, I I think one of the things he's that changed for Chad. him. He's a little ar-
6: stronger arm than Chad. That's... Let me check that. A little stronger, a uh, little stronger arm. I don't than know. Stronger don't arm know. maybe. will say Chad stronger
0: has arm, been. man, than Chad, man. He's. It's closer than you would want it to be. Um, The thing that I think changed for Tyreek is that football became less fun for him. And the reason why is because football was really easy for Tyreek Hill when it was, hey man, they're just going to let me run? Like, I'm just going to be able to go and nobody's going to take this away from us. Okay, let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to flip into the end zone. We're going to do all of this high stepping. Like, this is going to be awesome. And they did that for like three years. And eventually, and it came abruptly, teams adjusted. And this year, it was different for the Chiefs' offense. And I think all of us noticed that in the moment. All of our listeners right now, whoever you are listening to us, we appreciate you. I think you could see it. As you were watching the games, it was less fun to watch the Chiefs' offense. It was still very, very good. One of the best in the league last year. But it changed. It was less fun and it was less explosive. And I think that it might be part of what he's talking about here. If I if I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, maybe that's part of it. He's like, you know what? It used to be I was going on all these deep routes. I was having all this fun. I was the guy that was getting all of these big plays. And now those kind of went away. And in his mind, he's probably thinking that was our offense that changed. And in reality, it's that was the defense dictating what the offense could do that changed. And so what I'm really fascinated to find out, Ron, is as he has to learn what life is like without Patrick Mahomes, without Travis Kelsey, without Andy Reid. He's going to see it's going to be a whole lot of what they did with him last year, maybe even more so. I mean, you asked Jalen Waddle what that offense was like last year with Tua. It was a whole lot of bubble screens and slants going across the middle. And go do what you can do and try to get some yards after catch. That's exactly the kinds of stuff that Tyreek Hill had to do last year when they took away the deep routes.
6: Yeah, I think Jalen Waddle had something like 145 catches for 835 yards.
1: <laughs> yeah, I believe he did set a record as a rookie, and he was getting targets like crazy. But they were no, he,
6: he had well over 100 catches. And I think he yeah. barely had a
1: thousand yards. He yeah. would he he would literally have games where. Go He'd have 15 targets and 11 catches for 67 yards.
0: Like, he, <laughs> he was South Beach Hunter Renfro. Like, that's what he was. Yeah. Except and Hunter I, ha- except Hunter has
6: to do that. He has <laughs> he has a skill set that he does not have. To. And Jalen
1: Waddell is a really explosive player. If uh, they would uh, actually utilize it,
6: sir, of you can't convince me that somebody's gotten to him in, in his head. Like you can't convince me that someone has gotten to him. And Pat didn't keep close enough tabs on Tyree because somebody got to him. Like You're playing, hey, You dude. can't
0: blame Pat on this.
6: I'm, I'm not <laughs> blaming him. I'm just saying, like, he was – like, Pat's competing against these people in his ear this offseason. Man, he's been – I want to go to Miami. I am mean, uh, yeah, they've been talking to him. I can see it, too. I can see it. Ooh, Pat was man. just
1: too distracted by Dieter or, or something. Yeah, like hey, Pat, that. Out,
6: Pat, no. you know, Pat's life, man, having a baby. Congratulations on the second one. You know, dealing with, with everything that he's got as he's getting getting older and, and you know, got more responsibilities. And you just can't – I mean, he ain't checking enough,
1: maybe. Oh, I, man, I, I think what BK is saying is that – I think there could be something to that. Like – because there was points last year where Tyreek Hill basically just became a chain mover, like he 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 was just uh, catching a bunch of passes in every game, but it was like he'd have twelve catches for a hundred and twenty yards because nothing's going over twenty twenty five yards or anything like that. And yeah, twelve
6: and, catches for a hundred and twenty yards. Yeah, I mean, just ugh, not good enough. Yeah.
1: But like Tyreek, you know, he yeah, he wants the 50 yard touchdowns. He wants the 60 yard touchdowns. And so I think there is something probably to that. But yeah, it's the defense kind of dictating things. And I also think that it's very possible that there are people around him who are saying like, you know, you came in the league as a fifth round pick because of your past and you didn't make any money out of the gate. You got paid, but you didn't really get paid as much as you could have. And you basically signed a team friendly deal that was really short term. It it wound up being because of the situation that was going on at the time. And so now it's I deserve to get paid 30 million dollars. And I don't think the Chiefs were really willing to do that. And I think that maybe now we're seeing he's upset that they weren't willing to do that. Like they were willing to go like 24 or something. But once, once the conversation got into 30, he was probably upset with them because the chiefs were just like, we're not willing to do that. Like we just simply aren't. All
6: right. They may not have been willing to play, to pay Tyreek Hill. You know, I don't, I still don't know if it was that about money, but they, they weren't willing. They had a price. It it, it seems like where they were going to stop and they would be okay with moving on from Tyreek Hill understanding the trade that, that could happen, and they got a lot of pieces for it. Um, but it does not seem like they are willing to move on from Orlando Brown. And Ozus, uh, their left tackle, their Pro Bowl left tackle from last year, who they made the trade with with Baltimore, which they sent a first and a third-round pick. They got a second one back, but they sent two premiums. Uh, uh, and we know first rounds, and then we know the history of the Chiefs in the third round, so I count that as a damn premium pick. They sent that on. At that point, to me, I don't know about you, fellas, at that point, to me, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a matter of time. Like, Orlando kind of has them bent over a barrel because they're going to have to pay him. I mean, you're, you're not giving up a first and a third round pick for one year. Like, you're, gonna, you're going to have to extend it. He knew it. They knew it. And he's going to get broke off. He's going to be a top, I'd say, safe, safe bet five, probably top three, maybe higher uh, left tackle in the game. Uh, and he is going to be paid uh, because the Chiefs have to. They're not going to give up the, the, the draft capital they did. And he didn't stink. I mean, he was better than Eric Fisher, a pro bowler, uh, there and they're gonna pay him. And if I'm a Chiefs fan, first off, it ain't your money. And they'll they seem to figure things out. And obviously, with not having a signed Tyreek, they can do some things. But to me, like I'm good with it. I don't know about you. If it, I would, my recommendation for Chiefs fans out there is to this isn't one where you're you're cringing and you're hurt and you're like, no, don't pay him that.
0: Like I'm I'm cool with it. I'm fine with it. Uh, I don't want them to pay him top of the market value. Like, I don't want him to get that six-year, $140 million deal that we saw for Trent Williams. Because if you were willing to do that, I wish they just would have got Trent Williams. Because Trent Williams is the best offensive lineman in the NFL right now, probably. So if you were willing to go there, like, just get the guy that actually earned that money. And Orlando Brown, like, I guess earned ain't got nothing to do with it. He's up next, so he's going to get his money. Yep. If you get something closer to like the Ronnie Stanley deal, five years, $100 dollars, I think Chiefs fans should be thrilled. That that's probably where he's gonna end up is somewhere in that 20 to 23 million dollar range. That Ronnie Stanley, David Bakhtiari, Laramie Tunsil, that average annual value money, that that's probably what you're looking at. And my assumption would be he's probably gonna be around 60 to 65 million dollars guaranteed. So you're gonna be locked in to three to four years at a minimum of Orlando Brown Jr. as your starting left tackle here for the foreseeable future. And the reason why I'm okay with it, Ron, is because you look at what you have with the other positions right now. Joe Tooney is a highly paid player. We know that. He's at $16 million uh, per year. But Creed Humphrey's at 1.4. Niang slash Canard, those guys that are expected to start at right tackle, $1 million. Smith, $1 million. You add those all up, you're right around $15 million. You add in a $20 million per year player at left tackle, and you're still spending on your offensive line middle of the pack money on your O line. And that's why I'm fine with it. You look at the Eagles, they're spending $60 million on their O line. The Cardinals are at $55, Lions, $50, Jets, $48, Colts, $48. These are some of the better O-lines in the league. The Broncos in your own division are at 47. And you're spending less than them despite paying top of the money market for your left tackle. So because you hit on Humphrey and Smith and hopefully one of those two right tackles, it allows you to do something like this.
6: Yeah, I I just this would be my this would be my suggestion to, to folks out there who are struggling is like he is going to get the bag. He's gonna get paid, right? And the Chiefs know that they're going to pay him. But please, we do this with players. And I understand with what contracts are. You just have to look at him and not try to force him to be the type of player that his contract may say. And I understand what, and I understand how frustrating that can be. But if you roll into this bad boy and say, all right, they got the money, this is a splurge that they could make because they had to fix that last year. All right, they had to. They had to. They could not have what happened in the Super Bowl again. They had to fix that, and that was the best option, and they knew. And he came in, and he played well, right? Not great. He's not a great player. Like, 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 just get that out. His contract, I understand, and I'm, I'm right with many people. I don't like to pay people great that aren't great, right? I, like, and, and maybe he could. Begin to get there. I don't know, but I'm just going to be uh, realistic. I think he's like he's a top not... twelve left tackle. Yep, yeah, somewhere football. in that range. Yeah. yeah, left tackle. Pro Football Focus seems to have him in that range and has him as a good starter. Uh, that could be a very good starter, um, but but and, and that's fine. But to me, like you just have to you have to think of him. Hey, man, this is a very good starter. Not a this is elite. Now he's going to get paid. I know his contract of money is going to say elite and you're going to be and he gives up a sack to somebody and he gets used and abused like Trey Hendrickson did in in, in that Bengals in that playoff game against the Bengals in the second half you're going to be upset but he is a he is a he is a good to very good player and very good left tackle and you hope the second year he improves and feels more comfortable pass protecting in the way that they're going to need to you hope they run the ball better but just don't try to force him into what the contract says understand what he is and take it for that
4: more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals